Warning, explicit nerd-centric material. No, not like that. Cursing. Goddamn degenerate. Good evening, folks. Welcome to another episode of Stay A While and Listen. Uh, tonight, Candace and I are going to uh, talk about uh, one of the big three as the beginning of our series where we're going to say, what would we change if we were in charge of the big three? Yep, what if we were the boss? Tonight, we're going to take care of Magic the Gathering. Next week, we'll do D&D. And the week after that, we'll do WoW. So if you were in charge of Magic the Gathering and could change anything, what would be the one thing you'd be interested in changing? No! You're not doing this without me! I didn't claw my way out of a government-sanctioned lab with three arms and four eyes not to be part of the next magic thing! Hey, look, it's Matt! <laughs> my gills hurt from swimming in sewage water. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, Matt. Well, thank yeah. you. I was locked up in my house, and I lost my brain parts. But I'll try. But you evidently gained another set of eyes and an arm. It's amazing if you have multiple eyes, that if you're dumb, it still doesn't mean you see as much. You just oh. don't comprehend the things that you're looking at. <laughs> Actually, my question was going to be, do you need an extra set of glasses now? No. I keep the glasses I have and just mourn the fact that I can't really see out of those other eyes. <laughs> you just look I, like, like I, extra wrinkles well, on I your would, forehead I would now. have an extra set of glasses, but once again, I couldn't leave the house to see the optometrist, so... <laughs> but it really does look like you can now scratch your own back. It's handy. Our, our, you know, it itches more the more that you know you can do something. <laughs> My back itches horribly. But that might be the fact that there's scales growing there. I haven't figured that out yet. Are they scales or polyps? I can't see them. They're on my back. You want to check? I Not thought you had a mirror. Had a mirror? And yeah, a husband. but every time I have a mirror, it breaks and my husband screams when he sees me. I pretty much just live in a sub-basement level with a blanket over my head chewing on dead fish. Wait, wait, wait. He's <laughs> alive. When, when did you get a basement in Texas? You have to dig it, but when you have three arms, you're fairly industrious. You, you said okay, you that. asked if he had a mirror. Yeah. Are we talking about the little oh, artifact creatures? One one colorless artifact. I had one, and he helped me dig. But then I got a lot, and they made a sphere, and then things went bad. <laughs> so, bringing us back to topic before we have too much fun going off the rails. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, I'm the off-the-rails conductor. Uh, we are talking about what we would do if we were in charge of Magic the Gathering. Oof. Oof, so much. Who See, wants to kick that off? I will. All right, how about yeah, it? I'll I think stop. we'll agree I'll on that first trail. thing. The very first thing right off the top. Oof. <laughs> yeah, just Oof. get rid of the goddamn uh, restricted list. Reserve list. Thank you, reserved. But talk about it like <laughs> the entire whatever hour, three hours we've been bullshitting before this and I lose the word, but you know, yeah. it's, it's how my brain works. Well, it's just... Ah, it's dumb. It makes stupid cards expensive. It wouldn't bother me if they were all stupid cards. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you gotta ask the question, no, how do we get a reserve I mean, list? stupid on both ends. Stupid 
good and stupid. Why the fuck do we even care about this card? Honest truth, I almost think the why the fuck do we even care about these cards should be the gatekeeper money cards. If it's yeah. just to keep the valuable. Yeah, let uh, let Segovian Angel be the, be the thing that never gets reprinted again because <laughs> it's a worthless well, and and, and 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 some of the restricted so then your namesake card is three hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> yes, here, absolutely. Here's the other thing: is you got to ask the question what they're doing on the list in the first place, because that list rarely changes, and the things that are on that list are usually because they're overpowered or the whatever. But we've gone beyond the power level a lot of things on that stupid list, and it hasn't budged a thing on that list. You could release some of this back into the wild. But no, I mean, I think I think with the reserve list, the the fact that it hikes up the money for no real apparent gain is kind of pointless. Anyways, oh my friends, okay. they failed Ed. So uh, <laughs> if the, if the <laughs> reserve list, it was list... just the doggy cast is temporary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if the reserve list is the first thing to go. Yeah. Well, at least it's got to be rethought. It's got to be done in such a way. I think I think that kind of flows into one of the things I, I have a qualm with magic is. Availability to the player base. And here here's the deal. There are some cards. There are some cards that are really fun and really good. And really expensive. And pointlessly expensive. On the secondary market, they'll rack up there. Okay, let's give you an example. If everybody had access to Gaia's Cradle, Gaia's Cradle is a card that taps, add a green mana to your mana pool for every creature that you have. Yeah. That'd that, be amazing in some of my decks. Yeah. Like, well, the thing yeah, is, yeah. is they, <laughs> they, they had an enchantment in uh, Ixalan, I think it is. I'm going to get corrected if I'm wrong. And go ahead. I'd love to hear from y'all. I don't care if it's corrections. It was in which, the Ixalan block. Which, by the way, what is white black? Orzhov. <laughs> but it's in the Ixalan block, and there's an enchantment that came onto the board. You looked at the top few cards, and then when it flipped over, you basically had a guy's cradle. Okay. Instead of making a card like it to take its place... Reprint Gaia's Cradle. I know it's incredibly powerful, but it is also incredibly fun. And I don't think it breaks the game, but if you want to get your hands on a Gaia's Cradle right now for your EDH deck, you're going to be shelling out over $200. Well, how much does a Gaia's Cradle... It'll, isn't it just like a special land? Yeah, it's just a land, and it taps for a mana, one okay. green mana for every creature that you have on the battlefield. Okay. Done. And you got elves that do that for less... And I get yeah. it, elves are easily removed, but they're also reprinted. Nobody has reprinted Gaia's Cradle, and it makes it so restrictive in price that if you want a Gaia's Cradle just to up the efficiency of your deck, because it's not going to win you the game, but why am I shelling out over $200 for a piece of cardboard? And your sad excuse for reprinting a card that is like Gaia's Cradle to get it out there, that enchantment from Ixalan, is not good enough. Just reprint Gaia's Cradle. Isn't there a blue la uh, land that uh, gets mana for the number of enchantments in play, too? I think there's one for artifacts. I, I think it's Telerian it, Academy or Telerian yeah, West. Like that. I was going to say, if it's blue, it's probably going to be an artifact, because blue likes to play with a lot of, excuse me, artifacts. And if it is broken, 
And if you believe it's broken, take it out of your format so people don't hike up the price. Yeah. Either stick by what you think is broken or at least try to work around it. Because this whole, oh, it's going to be somewhat restricted and, oh, it's too powerful, we'll never reprint it, makes it to where people with deep pockets have more efficient cards and more efficient decks than people that are trying to have fun. You're running off casual. I mean, you do have the ability to, you know, well, if you'd like to run this card, print off a copy of it and ask your playgroup if you can proxy this yeah, card before you can afford... Why are you making up for your mistakes with the charitableness of my friends? They shouldn't have to be charitable enough to make up for your stupid mistake. Yeah. And Oh, okay. You have made other cards that do ridiculous things. Um, the two that come to my mind for just mana boosting, for lack of a better term, let's say, because I can't think. Ramp! That's the word. Yeah. Mana ramp. Yeah. 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 I want stompers. <laughs> is because I run a lot of creature heavy decks, is right now Nyx Bloom Ancient. Which yeah. is a fucking amazing card. Expensive to get on the field. I believe he's four colors and three green. Yeah, but once you have the mana to get him out, you have the mana to do whatever you want once yeah. he goes out. And I also have an enchantment that can cheat me two creatures on the field for free once you have three creatures on the field. So yeah. I, I don't feel bad about that. But, um. Mirror Eyes Wake? No. Um, you know what? Green color, uh, green, green white, white and enchantment. That says, no, it's it's a just green enchantment. It's like two and a green. Yeah, and he's no. giving another example okay. of the same so, kind of concept. Sorry, but um, Mirai's Wake is a green a, a green a white and two colorless or three colorless for an enchantment that every time you tap a land it doubles. I believe it's two colors. Double yeah. Well, uh, two we creatures is Nick's Bloom Ancient, which. I think is the only card out there right now that says when you tap your mana, it now taps for three, three. times, mm -hmm. which, you know, everything else prior had always been taps for two. And there's another creature which targets the entire table, mm -hmm. which is a some it's a green red card. That is a creature. Oh, yeah, that's, that's quite stupid like, ancient. Yeah. Is that just lumbering what looks like a bull off in the distance? Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. That you put on the field, and, well, and now everyone's shit taps for two. And that's decently balanced because you can shoot them in the face. Yeah. Unlike Amarari's wake, you can't shoot it in the face. Yeah. And as easily. You know. Yeah, you you mess with lands less. No. You know, and you will fuck someone's creature up, but at the same time. No, put hexproof, put shroud. Oh yeah. Do well, I mean, you have to put in work, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, okay, but but once you have that much mana at your disposal, honestly, are you really that sad? Well, here's the thing about the restricted <laughs> and stuff. Let's give it an extreme example of it for a second, okay? The power nine, right? You know what the power nine? Mox crystal, the moxes, diamonds, black lotus. Yep. Okay, black lotus comes on the field for zero mana. You sacrifice it. You get any colors. Three of any color, right? Yeah. How much is that worth in magic? It's not worth a damn these days, really. I mean, honestly, in the days I mean, of... Ah. Well, I mean, in competitive it, magic, it would be amazing, er, right? Early game is competitive it magic. Is amazing? No. No, it's not. So, But, I mean, if you play that on turn one, so you play your normal land, you play a Black yeah. Lotus, you go get it. three more lands... Yeah. 
Are they on the no, field? No, they're not lands. You three just mana. Get the mana. Oh, okay. It's, it's like a, for three mana. It's a free okay. dark red. Okay. Yeah. You can do a lot with that. You yeah. can. No. There's a lot you can do with it. Is it but is it broken? Busted. Is it busted to the point that it costs as much as it costs? Because I've seen, I've got. Okay. It doesn't do anything without other pieces that could combo yeah. off of a total of four mana. I, I can be honest with you. It is a very broken card in some ways. But here's my here's my complaint. If it is that broken, if it is that busted, why do people want it that bad? Why do you have to restrict it and then drive up the price to where if you want it in EDH, because you can still play it in EDH, okay. it's become so expensive a card. Either say it's not legal in anything, so you drive down the price, or reprint the damn thing and be okay with the fact that it's just going to be in EDH. My honest opinion on the whole thing is you got people who don't even play Magic who know what that card is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason that it stays on that list is to keep a certain... Clientele. Legacy about the name. Legacy yeah. to, to the card. Because if you don't... It's know, an artificial yeah. advertisement. Yeah. And no. it's really weird when... Uh, Something that I've thought of this before is, to a certain extent, some of these ridiculously fucktarded expensive cards is, like Brian said, you have these people that don't even play Magic that have these cards. And for what reason? Because they're expensive. Which, to me, reminds me of how fucktarded the art industry, like professional artists and whatnot, these companies buy these paintings and shit for tax reductions. When are we going to start seeing actual companies or just people buying these cards, tucking them away, and then I'm doing it to this world for a tax reduction? You can't tell me somebody hasn't tried it already. I bet it's going to happen someday. Here's the other thing. To give you an idea if a a card is overpriced, here's the way to think about it. If you found yourself at a garage sale and you found a Black Lotus, are you going to be happy that you found a Black Lotus because you're going to sell the damn thing or because you're going to play the damn thing? Sell it. Sell, sell it. it. None of us is going to play Black Lotus. No. You know why? It's worth too much money. Yeah. So here's the question. Things like uh, Vampiric, Vampiric Tutor. There's another one that's Imperial Seal. Vampiric Tutor is one black. You look for a card, pay two life, put it on the top of your top deck. Top of your deck. Yep. Imperial Seal. If you look at the price for that, it's well over a thousand. Pay one black. Pay a certain amount of life. Look for a card. Put it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Why magic? Why do you not put either that back into rotation, or you make it to where no one can use it? The reason Imperial Seal is so expensive because that slight difference between putting it on top of the deck and put it in the hand, hand is so huge in vintage that it's inflated the price to a stupid degree. Either accommodate new players or let your old players die off because nobody's going to play it. But if you go, to, if you if you're one of those uber nerds who cares about card advantage, the difference between in the hand and in the top of the deck no. is substantial. No, I'm not saying it's substantial. I'm saying if Magic wants to keep its player base healthy, they I need agree. to be as inclusive as they can. And if you want people to play vintage, reprint some of those cards because. You know who's not going to ever jump into vintage? Me. I don't mm-hmm. own those cards from back then. I didn't play that far. I played back in Kamigawa and Mirrodin starting off. I get it. But I didn't play that far back. If I wanted to get a vintage deck that is competitive, 
I might as well mortgage my house. So if they want vintage to survive, because Magic will complain about vintage and about legacy. Those are their old cards. Yeah. Everything goes old, old cards. You can even play a Black Lotus and either vintage or legacy. They want those to be healthy? Then do what it takes to be healthy. Reprint the things that are stupid expensive so that new blood can come into those. And that's what they do with these restricted lists. They have a restricted list partially to be able to sell these when things like Modern Masters comes out or Vintage Masters, because all of a sudden you reprint it, but in a very limited format for a very exorbitant price. Well, because, like, okay, what has been, as of recent, their most absolutely successful product that they have put out? I I don't have numbers, but yeah. I will argue that it has been... The mystery booster box. Yeah. Like, you can only get it at your game store, so it's healthy for your game store. You know, it's not Walmart and Target part, uh, profiting off of this. Yeah. And it's taking things, and it's driving down the price. You have send triplets in mm-hmm. there, which was a $60 card. Now, I think the reprint is something like 25 or $30. Yeah. Yeah, a carpet of... Carpet of Flowers. Yeah, Carpet of Flowers. Um, Water Green. Ristic Study. You have these cards that you can buy of the not reprint, or you can buy the reprint of it for like half the price. And they're going to keep printing these well, boxes. And that's good. That's one of the good examples of it. But that's a good step in the right direction. That's the damn yeah, sure. You know what? I'll- but they're keeping that fucking reserve list. Because a long time ago, when Magic wasn't owned by Hasbro or this big company, somebody with deep pockets went up to them and said, we like these cards being expensive. You're not going to reprint these anymore. You're going to leave these alone and put them on this fancy list where we can basically keep our pockets lined. Well, and the sad thing about it is, is that most of us here, all of us here have experience with the EDA. Some of us mm-hmm. have played competitive card games. Maybe not Magic, but competitive card games. I've played some competitive Magic. And I've always just played casual. Yeah. And there's a big world of the difference when it comes to money transactions for competitive versus casual. And one thing that Magic has never really cared about is casual as much. They will say they care about the casual player getting involved in different things, but they don't usually facilitate They want the casual player no. strictly because... For every five casual players, there's a potential For tournament one player. of them to turn yeah. into. Well, and the thing about it is, is that what they're fighting against is the secondary market. Because mm-hmm. if you've played anything competitive card game I have never known any competitive card player not to buy singles off the internet. Yeah, they don't buy packs. Packs, the people that buy packs, the reason you buy packs is because of the same reason that people gamble. It's an adrenaline rush to see what you got and you might get lucky. Yep. And they started doing a thing to facilitate that. If you notice, it's kind of underhanded. And this is one thing I would change. Is there are basically what are called lotto cards. Okay? It started back in the day when you had masterwork. So you have, you know, like, for instance, something that all of us commander players are familiar with. Soul Ring, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Soul Ring has its original art, which is a flaming ring. Mm-hmm. And then it has its mm-hmm. commander art, which is a solid city Which is ring. the blue steel yep. ring that we all have. And then there is the masterwork, 
art. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's it like, is absolutely gorgeous. It's a $350 card, whereas mm-hmm. your standard uh, soul ring that most of us play with is like a 2 or $3 card. Yeah. So this card comes out in uh, Aetherworks. Mm-hmm. The Aether one. So that had the fair and everything else like that. You had a very slim chance of getting this incredibly beautiful card that you could not even play in standard. They printed it in a set that it could not be played in. But people would buy boxes in hopes to get one masterwork card. So they're doing a double down thing. And this is why all the loot boxes have been a big contention and everything else. This is incentivizing gambling. And it's TCG has been doing that for a long time, but what they do is they're upping the payout. So you up the payout of the possibility of getting one masterwork that, one, you can't play in standard, and two, sells for $300. <laughs> How much does a box of cards cost? $130? Uh, generally, they cost about $90 to $120 for okay. just your general box. And you're not guaranteed one in there. No, you're not. So if someone really wants one and they don't go to the secondary market, you're buying two to three boxes. Right? Or more. And so now they've I- made their money on the anticipation of you getting one of those cards. And the trick about magic that a lot of people don't understand, I, I hate it when people do this, they'll open their, their binds and think, this card is money, this card is money, this card is money, I have all this money. You They're don't. only no, worth it if you can find a seller. Yeah. Yes. You don't have that money. You've spent that physical money to get what you got. But you until get a piece you, of cardboard. Yeah. Until you can find a buyer for it, you, you have don't have card. that money. So these people are throwing hundreds into the tank to try to get these because they don't have the money to get them outright. As one of the few people I know who has honestly gotten out of a card game and came out ahead Mm -hmm. for the moment, because I guarantee you my value of my collection was worth more than what I actually was paid for it. Mm -hmm. But it was money, you know. You will never have a big money collection that you can turn around and make that money off of. It's no. like it's like comic books. I have I have two com- I have three comic books that are worth a pittance as far as valuable comics are concerned, but expensive for a piece of comic book. And that is three thirty dollar comic books. No. Well uh, they are there for sentimental reasons. You never got like, yeah. the- mm-hmm. well you can do the same thing with even you don't have to even go to uh vintage or no legacy yeah Yeah. you don't have to go about that far back all you have to do is go on youtube Mm -hmm. and just put in the word uh the unboxing game yeah and keep opening boxes once you've made your money for another box yep if the box costs you 99 dollars, you open up all the packs inside the box and try to get to 99 dollars. you've therefore quote major money back and they sell those cards to get their money back and go and buy a new box Mm -hmm. the market fluctuates on the cost of these cards which makes each successive box harder to buy yeah and at the end of any of these there's the disclaimer literally of i open these boxes so that you don't have to. Yeah. Don't open boxes looking for cards. If you want a single card, buy that single card. Yeah. And and this will get into something that I would change. And it's related to that. Is that as of recently, 
And we're, we're, we're recording this while Ikora, or what are, how do you pronounce it? Ikoria. Ikoria is about to hit the market, so it's been delayed. Yes. Which I'm really excited about. Just yeah. Just the, I love the artwork on it. I had one goal that I wanted out of it. And the legitimacy of me getting that goal without spending a boatload of money is piss poor. Because also I'm a miser. But they've made alternate cards for Godzilla. Now, I'm a huge Godzilla fan and own every single movie and watch them every year. But, you know, woo woo toot toot, who cares? We we sunk the money to have a better chance of those cards. But here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the deal. That's not... Chance. Yeah. That's not based on the cards themselves. This is a marketing thing. It's gone from a playable card game that maybe you'll get foils that are more appropriate and more playable because then you can play them in your decks to I'm collecting these cards because they're different, rare, and or shiny. And it's because of that and also the secret layer that I'm starting to worry about magic being more of a cash grab than it is actually supporting the community that's putting these cards out for. Because in designing these cards that are beautiful and fun to collect, there's going to be a part of the design department that is not dedicated to making good functioning cards. I have long said that Magic was a cash grab compared to other uh, collectible card games and trading card games. Aside from Yu-Gi-Oh, that thing's a huge cash grab. I I have said that Magic has always been the king of the cash grab for the collectible card game simply because the rotating standard. Yeah. Well, and even even if you take the rotating standard out, even their, their, their other stuff... Like, right now, we have a secret layer. For those of you who are listening don't know what secret layer is, it's an exclusively sold by Wizards of the Coast. We're, you can't get it any other way. We're going to talk about that one, aren't we? Yeah, you of can't get it we are. any other yeah. way. You can't get it any other way. You have to buy it on that day. Supplies are not limited, but you know there kind of are. And they price them the way they want. This is their fight against the secondary market because that way, yes, the secondary market will make money, but they are guaranteed to make a significant profit as opposed to selling packs. Because they have the cars that you want, because they're yes. displayed. Right now, they're riding this Toho train, Toho being the company that made Godzilla. They're riding this Toho train to a set of one land each with Godzilla on the artwork in the background. Now, I am a huge Godzilla fan. Not the biggest one in Abilene. There's one man bigger than me at that. But don't talk about people's weight on the podcast. Oh, okay. It's rude. But he's a kaiju. <laughs> but no. He knows, and he knows that it's really hard to buy shoes. Don't make it any worse. <laughs> he can breathe fire. That's a good a good toss-off, or actually radioactive breath, whatever. <laughs> but here's the deal. These five lands with little bitty Godzillas and Mothras and Rodans and King Hedorah in the background cost 30 bucks. One each. That's what you get. For basic land, 30 bucks. I don't even know if they're foil. They are. They're foil, full art lands. Good. When you know how the cards are made, you know that those aren't worth 30 bucks. No. Not when they curl as soon as they hit air for 24 hours. But who is going to end up buying that? Are those going to be people that are interested in magic? Are those the magic enthusiasts, the people that are in it for the game? The competitive people, even? No, that's a collector crash cash grab. When you it aim is. it at collectors, then it's not about your game. Yeah, well, at here's the a same question. Time. Here's, here's a counterpoint: is I don't begrudge them earning that money because that's not it's not anything that's going to affect the meta of the game itself. Exactly, True. I'll give you, you that. 
we can, at least our game shop has a rack that they say, you built the deck, you can go up and take the lands for free no. to build your deck. Well, I would counterpoint that. If they're spending resources and development time making these cards, does that mean that less resources and development time go no. to the other ones? Because I don't know if we'd be able to tell that. No, because it's what went into the development of those cards. Not an art. Yeah. They, they specifically got money. different art. They had to pay Toho. They, they, pay, they spent money, but they didn't spend Magic the Gathering money. Yeah, true. Yeah. They spent well, Wizards of the Coast money. And the thing with specifically those lands that I have less of an issue with is they are basic lands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, I would be more pissed the, off if it was... Uh, what are the ones that are... The, oh, they, no, they're reprinting the, uh, the Shock and Fetch lands in the layer the, stuff. The but Fetch that's, lands that's right now, say that's is, the one that I am livid about. It, yeah, because that's would, the part that would piss me off. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather a chance, because you know, when they come out in Secret Layer, it's not going to drop the price of the regular ones. Nope. It's not. Because so they are you, different. Aren't, you, yeah. Here's the thing that really pisses me off. The secret layer that costs four hundred dollars that they're selling—that each game store can have five of—and you don't have to order that day. Woody fucking who? Still are going to be not full art, mm-hmm. not foil. They're just specific art by different artists that are like inspired by one of the different oh, places, I and I just look at these and go. That's different art than the other one. I'm like, oh wait, yeah, no, that's that's different art, I guess. But four hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. We're off the secondary market. You can get them for a hundred and eighty, and I'm paying for a display box. Well, Real quick, like, mm-hmm. let me relay one story. Just as long as we're on the topic it's of story things, time, children. Yay! Things yeah, that, everyone, that, that... sit down. Yeah, I gotta go get your snack. So. Mm-hmm. I, I I used to be a big player of League of Legends with a couple of my coworkers from the prison. Yeah. We okay. jump on League, play a couple games and every night. Every night after okay. work. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be relaxing. Kill. <laughs> kill. But uh packs in Austin packs. Pack South, Pack West, South, yeah. whatever, okay. whichever one it was. Yeah. Had Scratch off with one of two skins. It was either Arcade Hecarim or something else. Mm-hmm. As part of the grab bag for everyone that attended. Mm-hmm. So I paid 20 bucks, I think, for eBay, on eBay for a grab bag to a convention I didn't go to. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, you know, it's all right. It's 20 in the hole. Hopefully. It's 20 in the hole, and I got, a, I got the skin out of it and some other stuff and just some, you know, mm-hmm. bullshit swag bags. One of the th- one of the things in there were three boosters of PAX specific cards against humanity. Mm. You open huh. it up, and one of the answer cards floating in my big box of cards against humanity cards over there is the collective wail of Magic the Gathering players realizing they've spent thousands of dollars on worthless cardboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that it we 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 always. BS pregame, and that should be no surprise to anyone. But we were talking about the fact that magic is a community. It needs to function as a fun community to keep itself together. Yeah. And the reason I have so many problems with these new ways of like, 
the collector's packs, you can only get certain art and stuff like this and stuff like this, is that for someone new walking into the game, the emphasis is no longer the game. The emphasis, even, like, it used to be even if you were competitive, you could be interested in alternate art foil promos. You know, you had your FNM promos, you had your draft yeah. promos. That's fine. That all functioned in a certain way. But it wasn't mass marketed. Nobody was selling the FNM promos exclusively. Nobody was pushing judge promos in people's faces. And the integrity of the game being a fun experience for new players and not being this huge monolithic money machine that will eat the poor person's wallet. Yeah. Because as soon as mm-hmm. you walk up and see what magic is right now, it looks like it wants to eat your wallet. And I will admit, I bought a box of Ikoria because I wanted that one Godzilla. I was guaranteed that one Godzilla, and I could use the other cards. But I refused to buy a collector's box because a collector's box is 12 packs. That box is $200. None of that is anything that you couldn't get functionally out of the original things. That is an additional $100... And fewer packs for art. I remember. We, we just want the death corona. Yeah. <laughs> and the odds are you won't get it, though, because we're not going to get first printing. Japan did. It's an uncommon, so the chances of it actually being in there are still... It's only first printing with that name. They changed the name. We're still getting first printings down here. I don't think we're get, when we get them, we're not getting first printings, I didn't think. I think we are. Because we're still getting, like, the English first printings for America. Hmm. But, I mean, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, and I cannot bring myself to sink I $200 remember, into that. I remember back when I used to play Hero Clicks as the game. Oh, yeah. I no. used to buy, I used to spend $300 on a brick of Hero Clicks. Me and, I, me and a co-worker would actually spend 150 each and go in on mm-hmm. them. And we'd collect the ones we wanted out of them, and usually an entire set of the commons and uncommons, and then sell the rest to the comic book shop, who would also turn around and make a profit off of them, because he wouldn't open any of his singles. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the sad thing about it is, is that and right now, where we're at, I will promise you, because if you watch the markets do this, this is a fun little experiment, all you newbies in magic, watch what happens with speculation versus value. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a friend that I actually trained into this because he had a box. And I said, here is your deal. Tonight, you open that box. It is the first night. Do you know what you want out of the set? Yeah. Trade. Trade tonight. Because the value that you think it is, is going to reset in a week. Yep. And it will not go up. Yep. It will not because speculation is inflation. And you sell it to the shop that night. And at least our shop owner, unfortunately, he's savvier than most with that. But you sell it to the shop that night, you get your money. You set, you know, you trade for old cards that have a steady set value. Sell new for, uh, trade new for old. Do that. Throw off these things. Because take what you want to use and trade the money out. Because there's only one in almost every other set that will go up in value. But the vast majority of them, are going to go down. Mm-hmm. That's And just watch these Godzilla cards. I was talking to my husband. He's like, why don't you pre-order them? I was like, well, I can't because they're all sold out pre-order. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to wait a month afterwards 
I'm going to catch people with duplicates. Why? Because you're going to wait a year and be able to buy them all for a decent price. Yeah, because I'm a collector of Godzilla stuff. I'm not running these in a deck. Like, I might catch two cards that I want to build a deck around. You're going to try and build a Godzilla deck. Oh, yeah, that's why I got the Godzilla hey. card. And I want to build a King Hador deck and a Biolanta deck. And that's it. The rest of them, I'll catch on the backswing because right now, what stupid baby Godzilla, which is a two-drop card that says whenever this is mutated on, draw a card. What that's selling for right now, at an uncommon, that's ne- it, it's in the it's in the set. Even in the non Godzilla. I've seen form. like three baby Zillas drop out of a single box opening right now. Yeah. But there's people that pre ordered them for 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. I know, like, these people that, like I said, the unboxing game, all these people that are getting these boxes and opening them on YouTube right now before the U.S. got their boxes because they ordered them from Korea or Japan mm-hmm. or wherever. Yeah, you can get the English ones of those. even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're opening these boxes and most of them have in the upper corner, you go, woo, woo, oh, I got the money card. Mm-hmm. You know, card valued $62.35 and underneath in smaller print in EV estimated value yeah. of mm-hmm. $23. Here's a fun game. If you want to have a fun game, uh, YouTube was around for Innistrad. Okay? Mm-hmm. Go watch an Innistrad unboxing. Look at their totals in the corner. Just jot down their money cards. Total it up now. I guarantee you it ain't what they think. And there are some cards on there that everybody was talking about. Now go for dirt and nothing because it didn't work as well as they thought it did. Because part of the market's based upon tournament results. Mm-hmm. And some cards that people think are going to be great don't end up being great and they just shuffle their way on out. I forget what box it specifically came out of, but I was watching someone do an old unboxing game and they pulled a couple of Helm of the Host. And they're like, yeah, another one of these cards kind of flings it to oh, the yeah. side. And it was like a $2, $3 oh, card when it now. first on. And now I had to go to the game store and go into the expensive binder. I think it was even in the case. Mm-hmm. Like the case of money card and buy that card. Because I was like, I need this to run my stupid coin flip deck. Yeah. That's like uh, Bramble Shaman. When I bought that for my elf deck when you first got me back in, yeah, I think it was a 2 or $6 card. It's 23 now. Yeah. yeah. Parallel Lives. Mm-hmm. One of the token doublers in that stupid deck. Because I had to build the deck with all the token doublers just because I could. Yeah. That was the cheap one that I had when I first got back in. And it was what... Three, four, five, six, ten dollars, maybe. Ten when bucks I first probably got into tops, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's another example. I played way back in the day. I played. I don't want to say way back in the day because I'm only about, but yeah. I started my competitive stuff in Kamigawa and then Mirrodin. And you know what? You pull a ton out of in Kamigawa. Sensei's Divining Tops. Oh yeah. And I had a box that had like sixteen of those in there. And then after I got out of competitive, I never like sold or threw away anything because i i'm a hoarder <laughs> I, I none of y'all have seen my house or my car but they're basically like trash bags i need to clean them because they're not like trash bags they're like trash bags thrown in cardboard boxes yeah. with a bad label and then put on a bookshelf that's true there you go. they're organized yeah. 
Yeah. They're, they're they're organized incorrectly, trash bag. Yeah, they're 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 <laughs> like watching someone sad attempt who can't read English to organize alphabetically. Yes. But that's the thing is that I found those and later on they're worth good money. Like I think by the time I found them they're twenty to thirty bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. And like there's uncommons that have come out being worth money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is is that the things people think will be worth money aren't always the same. The first day one, that's why I never pre-order cards and singles either. Because all the hype is going to be around cards. And that hype, even if that card is good, that hype is going to be more than what that card's worth. They're going to be almost double. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem, is that... You don't know what's going to actually stick around and be worth something. Yeah, and nope. the, the thing that I would change, though, is that... It went from the secondary market making speculations to make money to Magic seeing the secondary market make speculations and making cards to fan the flanks, like the Godzilla cards, the full art cards, the, the only in these packs cards, the lottery cards that are so hard to get, but they're full art and they're all this and you just got to have them. They know they're whipping up the secondary market, but for the secondary market to get their hands on it, they have to go to Wizard. Mm-hmm. A wizard knows it can sell these packs because some of the full art ones that are in that are at least like four bucks and yeah. the new one if you look at their 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 regular counterpart a regular counterpart's 50 cents yeah yeah so the value there is simply the art and who's gonna make that money well technically magic is first they're first in line to make that stupid thing that people valued Three and a half more dollars worth normal one, and then they stuck it in an exclusive place that for you to get a chance of it, this one pack is twenty dollars. Twenty dollars a pack. They're making money hand over fist off people wanting alternate art. But they do also have reprint packs, like the masters packs and everything, that are twenty dollars a pop. Yeah. And, so as much know. as this has been a really fun dive into the economy economy of magic, Sorry. I'm yeah. going to pull us back onto topic. What would you change? Specifically, I have a question here. Okay. I was watching a video earlier today about somebody bitching and moaning about Commander. There's a lot to bitch and moan about, but I love it. But yeah. they were talking about how much they hate that it feels heavily pushed. Because it gets what a, a set of decks a year. Yeah, uh, and it, but I, so does standard most of the time. So does brawl. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. But this was this was this one. This was one YouTuber's perspective was that Commander is getting shoved down his throat. Okay, I can, uh, I can, I can. So I'm asking: uh, Is I'll, this is the multi-format thing a good thing? It's a survival instinct. I personally love the multi-format because I'll tell you this: I'll play com- I'll play Commander. I'm playing it with you guys. Yeah. yeah. I won't play Standard ever again. I, I can I can tell you. I won't it. play Modern ever again. I won't play Standard or Modern because they're too cutthroat and they're too expensive. Exactly, and I'll tell you why this person's having a problem. At least from what I can think, because you're you're I'm coming from a competitive Standard standpoint before mm-hmm. EDH was supported. Like for instance. I call it EDH. That should be a tell right there. This is true. Before it was supported by Magic. So, what was fun about EDH is taking the cards that weren't meant to be EDH, that weren't for that format, and finding new things to do with them. Right? 
mashing all those cards his, together. His complaint is that there are sets. commander cards floating in the regular sets. I, I yeah. will agree to that. And that it was, it was, you know, originally it was taking cards and using them in ways that they weren't normally used for and doing something different with what you already had. But then Magic came along and said, oh, we see what you're doing there. That looks interesting. Here's cards just for that. Buy they were this. Frankensteining it. And then all of a sudden it went from that to also slipping them into the normal sets and making it to where they did that. And you're like, this was ours. This was ours to use the cards that we didn't have for competitive that never saw anything. Personally, talking about Magic trying to make some of its money, I personally think that they should do like, you know how there's a core set that comes out? Is it every year? Yeah. yeah. They used to not do that. But you know how it's these days. It's M20, a core set. M30, yeah. It's a core set every yeah. year. M twenty, M twenty two, or whatever. Yeah, they had like a year and a half where they just stopped doing that. Okay, yeah. what they should do is they should put out a commander core set, C twenty two, or whatever, and put the new new commander yeah. cards there Separate and them. leave them away from standard so that you got two different people chasing, and then that's not only. Is it different people chasing? But you can also keep track of who's which is more, which the audience is more interested in. Well, and support them differently. And the but other thing, I, there is though the idea that if in some stores, in in some places, say standard is dying, but your commander is thriving, why should we separate it out of this box that we still want everyone to buy? But if they do it that way, with, like I said, a commander set and a core set core set, then the store can can buy more commander sets and support the commander league yeah. that's going on on the local level to give them better tools to leverage towards. Here's, here's the other thing. If you don't only have a few commander cards in your core set... Are you going to buy more of those packs? Here, let me give you a different perspective of why it's a bad thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not used to being back into podcasting here. Coming <laughs> on the desk. Here's the deal. Who determined what was legal and commander? The player base. A community of guys in London, isn't it? <laughs> Your play group. That was it. Yeah. Were we balancing power levels in it? Hell no. No, or but now all of a sudden, it. now all of a sudden, they're printing cards specifically for Commander. So now they're balancing power levels and power cards, and they're making a list. All of a sudden, it feels like we've lost and control because now they're printing things. Matt, I have a question for, that. for you. Mm-hmm. It was Magic: The Gathering ever designed to be played multiplayer? No, that's the fun. Was Magic the Gathering ever designed to be played by a group of six people around the table? No, that's the fun. <laughs> because I'm going to let you know a little secret. We were doing that at least yeah. in 2000, whatever, you but, know? But here's the thing. We didn't have to, with EDH, we didn't have to worry about overpowered cards because they were printed specifically for this format, and oh, they're too powerful. For instance, I mean, uh, let's take... Uh, let me get let me get my bearings. There was a set, and it was uh, oh god, I can't remember the name of it. But you used to have you're the monarch, and you yeah. have this, and it had specific draft stuff, and it said, okay, now we have these choice cards. So everybody around the table votes for either this or that, and however many votes that we have this, we get this effect, and how many votes we have that, we have that effect. Yeah, that's cool, right? But if you start making changes and making things for a format, 
mm-hmm. then you introduce the ability to break it with mm-hmm. overpowered cards. And so now, all of us found these legendaries that weren't meant to be commanders, but they're fun because now we get to figure out if they can be commanders. And so now they're like, look, we made something that's better than all those, and it's this commander. And you're like, oh, okay, now that's a little overpowered in our play group. Don't worry, here are these. And you're like, but we, you're, you're power leveling our game, and we didn't even have a ban list, and now we have to have a ban list because this is all insane. Like, now you're dictating the flow of cards and what goes in there and what's a commander and what's I, made for it and what's not. I don't think so. Oh, perhaps not. I don't think so, at least under an odd division. And that is, for the lack of better words, I'm going to set my terminology right now. Okay. Competitive commander is commander. Okay. And EDH is still always going, it's just casual command group, right? Mm -hmm. Commander, commander decks, commander starters, commander printed, whatever, Mm -hmm. is always going to follow commander rules. Yeah. EDH, still just four friends sitting around the table. True, but once you get into a shop, you can't determine who you sit down next to. And if they... Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can always. Well, I mean, like our commander tournaments. Like, we get paired off in pods that... Mostly random. Someone needs their ass whooped. Well, well, here's the other thing, then. That's playing at the shop. (laughs) Here's the other thing. What is the meaning of the game change between, let's say, all three of us sit down and play it, and if you play it at the shop and it's now sanctioned by magic... What happens to the game? Does it change in any noticeable way? That all depends on two things. Yeah. One, usually an actual sanctioned game. They're keeping track of your score, stat, whatever, I'm assuming. No. Well, then that's... A, but yeah, but I get what I you mean. In, in the heyday of Yu-Gi-Oh, you had a, a, a player number. And you could, oh yeah, you're talking about yeah, a, you okay. Should, I thought you were there keeping your life total. No, 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 no. They can no. come by and check it. But. No, you 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 have your own player number, and at the end of a year, these people that are in this bracket of players, the that's company was sending them something. Yeah. Well, I have a thing about that later. That I'd change about magic. But yeah, but <laughs> you know, uh, that that's the difference between sanctioned and playing at the house. No. And then the other thing is, if your shop has a buy-in and price support, mm-hmm. which is, again, why I commented, for me, separating a core and a commander, yeah. yearly set, mm-hmm. would be good, because then the, the store can support their, hey, we, we do a lot better on Commander Night. These might be a game store exclusive booster. I can see that. Yeah. Well, and, and that that way the game store can be like, oh, we so we do much better business supporting commander. So the commander or the brawl or whatever league thing sits there, and what's it cost Magic to take the cards they'd already made for the year and just split them into different sets? Well, and here's the other thing: you also have to figure this into account. A lot of it also depends because Magic is kind of a tailspin, mm-hmm. sell wise, um, and it's not just commander. Commanders is the biggest example of where this worked. But I'm going to name some things, and you're going to ask either what it is or if it ever got supported by Magic, because all these were player things first. Okay? 
Popper. I know Popper. Yep. Popper yeah. is exists Popper as is a, a price list on your. No, no, it is. Each card has to cost a CMC of three or less. No, it was card value. You could only be... you could only run commons and uncommons. I thought that it was. was it. I thought it was card value had to be under I, a certain limit. I thought it was CMC. No, it's just common and uncommons. That's Popper. How is it? Oathbreaker. Okay. I don't know Oathbreaker off the top Oathbreaker of my head. Oathbreaker is what EDH players did to try to have their own personal thingy game. I was going to say... It's, it's your commander is basically is a planeswalker, and they have a signature spell that they come with. You can only play that spell when the commander's on the field, and then that spell then goes into the, the command zone, basically, and costs two more next turn. But isn't that what Brawl has turned into? That they've turned yeah. into Brawl? Yeah. Guess who's following behind all of the fan-made stuff trying to capitalize on it? Magic has. Yeah. I, I can't say I blame them. I, I can't say I blame them either, but it makes people not want to play it. I've heard... I remember when Oathbreakers first came into a, a, a into being, and it hit the forums, and everybody was excited about it. And then Brawl comes wandering up. And then all the Oathbreaker players fall off, because instead of working with the people... Instead of working with designing it and listening to them, they just said, this is working, we'll design our own. Mm. And, I mean, you can find it all also happening online. Brawl, they were pushing the hell out of Brawl for a while. Uh-huh. But not really anymore. Why? Brawl, because nobody decks, wanted it. Brawl decks now sit on the shelf and gather dust. And I will tell you this. We bought a Brawl deck specifically because it had Commander cards in it. Yeah, Commander's the one that's lived through the most magic things. mirroring. Because Commander had a huge base. Commander has a long lineage by being played with judges. But if a new thing pops up, like Oathbreakers, like Brawl, like Popper, like magic was in the works for making cards for Popper. It's kind of insulting to a group of people that have come up with a new idea and then spread it over the internet and made it a thing, to see Magic walk up with its big money bag, sit down like the fat, rich player at the end of the thing, and say, look what I can do! That's And it's kind of insulted kind players. Kind of counterproductive there. Yeah, and he, they run off players with that. Like, to be honest, you know why Standard has failed at our local shop? Well, one of the reasons why. <laughs> Community. Asshole players. <laughs> Arena. Abilene is full of asshole players. Yeah, it's full of asshole players. Yeah. But I used to be a part of the actual competitive team. Y'all didn't see most of it, and I trained several of them. We were very dedicated to it. They spent a lot of money and time into it and everything. And we used to run a thing called gauntlets. And gauntlets you'd run before a tournament. You'd take, even if you proxy them, you'd take the meta decks that were going to be there. And that night, you ran through different meta decks to see what your probability of winning and what the best sideboard was. It was a lot of work to make a good competitive deck. It was a lot of skill and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now the arena's out. Why do all that? Why? Why bother? Because now the tournaments are going to online arena tournaments. They've had their arena championship, the last one, and they've yeah. cut down twice as many tournaments that they did have that they televised. They no longer televise them online. And they argue it's because it's more fun to watch it on these animated, you know, online things yeah. than it is to watch someone shuffle their deck repeatedly, which is one of their reasons why the, um, the Searchlands. Yeah. 
hard, yeah. But, well, we don't want to reprint those anymore because it's like they're wanted, they're almost needed in these formats. And like, yeah, but it's boring to watch someone shuffle their deck. One thing that they forgot about is uh, the people that drove the competitive tournament. Like, I, I can name some names, you probably won't know them. But here's a person. Do you know who Brian Tibbler is? Nope. How does he spell his name? K-I- I don't Not know. Not the last name. The first Brian. name. <laughs> I don't know if he's in your meetings. <laughs> but no, Brian Tibbler. Because if he spells it wrong, I probably know him and have sworn a blood oath against him. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Kibler. He's a world champion in magic. Reed Duke. World champion in magic. These people are what you watched the magic for. For the top tables and these people you knew that represented teams. Channel Fireball. Right? You know who that is? Yeah. You know where they came from? Yeah. They were a competitive team. They were a competitive team that eventually grew into their own little magic gathering empire. Yeah. Neat. Cool Stuff Inc. sponsored their own team. Card Kingdoms sponsored their own teams. It was an actual event. But now that you have it online, people don't see these people. There's not teams for it. There's not watching the people sit down and actually shuffle. You don't know who any of these people are. The last person that they know that is from the online thing, the only notable thing about them, and this is not getting into politics, I have nothing wrong with them, was because they're transgender and is put up online as, look, the world's first transgender champion. Cool. That's kind of tokenism, though. Because you can't name the next one. You don't know who they are because Magic didn't push it. (laughs) But they pushed that. The sad truth is, uh, Wizards of the Coast is out to make their money, though. Yeah, they are. And, out to make I guess any company is. Can you blame them for not trying to turn a profit but so they're that they can make them. more shit? They're shooting themselves in the foot doing it, though. They are. That's which was the whole point of this conversation is what would you change to try and fix, fix it? Fix it. I would focus on community over income. I definitely would want to do something like uh, this is really kind of odd and aging me, but uh, back in 2000, You're old man, 2001 or 2002, mm-hmm. maybe 2000, 2001, I worked at the local Hastings. Yeah. And uh, we had to have somebody who would work a Saturday huh. in the afternoon consistently so you were volunteering to never have saturday off and you would run the pokemon league gotta catch them all pokemon so yeah that's right i was the pokemon judge i want to be the, the very best, best. sir yes. copyright infringement sir <laughs> there's children around and you're scaring them Rock one, copyright dressed, infringement yes. <laughs> you're dressed like a pikachu <laughs> so pikachu why is that Pikachu got a beard? Pikachu. Because he's 80 years old. We didn't hire him. <laughs> we should get, get someone. long grass. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got the Pokeballs to catch me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, for two hours out of my shifts every week, yeah. it consists of my friend Raph, his little brother, and maybe occasionally one or two kids coming up, playing Pokemon, giving them a foil energy card for just showing up, Yep. keeping track of their score, and at the end of the year, 
the season, giving them a foil Pikachu. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the dark secret. I was supposed to destroy something like 700 of those uh, Pikachus. foil Pikachus. That would explain your garage being lined in foil Pikachus. No, they went with me to an anime convention the year after. Mm-hmm. And got sold one or two at a time, and then replaced into the binder from yep. my backpack. Mm-hmm. It was the only convention I ever went to that I made more money than I spent. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, what's the draw? But it was it was a good thing for community building. Yeah. That, I mean, it sucked because nobody cared in Abilene about playing Pokemon in 2001. Barely anybody cares about playing half the things that come through here. Look at Dice Masters. God, I wish Dice Masters were still around, but ain't nobody supported. Transformers had like a good month and a half. Well, and it's it's uh, sort the, of the, the same. The Dragon Ball Z fighting card game lasted uh, about six months. Yeah, like we don't have support because everything's going against two juggernauts, two singular stupid giant juggernauts, and, and that is Magic the Gathering. Very smelly player base. And one of them is Yu-Gi-Oh. And if you don't compare to that, and you can't get any of those groups to play you. Yeah. Then you don't have a chance. Like, there's other cities. Like, I used to play, uh, oh, what was it? One of the groups was Grand Blue, and you had a little dude in the center, and... I played the Mega Man Advance or Mega Man GX or DX card game. Boo, nerd. I played Mm. the Initial D card game. I played a Bible-based Christian card game. I want that one. I will try any card game. Yeah. Once. But you know what card games you can't play? I've discovered that there was a Sakura card captor uh, CCG. Ones that no one else are playing. Damn skippy. Yeah. And that's what kills it. I love, I love certain card games. And I've always loved certain card games. But you know what? I can't throw my money in them if I don't have no one to play with. Well, I mean, you You can. can. You have two podcast co-hosts that we will play anything at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the difference between Magic the Gathering and something like Sentinels of the Multiverse. We're not chasing after cars. There's not new printings of bullshit. There's this nothing. is true. You put a box down, people play it, and they have fun. That's what, not what magic should be. I'm not saying magic shouldn't be that, and that's what I change. I'm saying that's the difference between focusing on the enjoyment of the game and the company making money. Because if Sentinels of the Multiverse wanted to make money, they'd put out packs. Sentinels of the Multiverse, I think you could argue, has made pretty good change. Yeah, yeah, but they ain't made they, magic money. No. But they've turned Few around people and make magic money. They've turned around, around and living comfortably. Yeah, they are. But they the way they did it is they kept the integrity of the game for the game's sake, for the people that are playing it, so that one it's available to all people that wish to play. Mm-hmm. Nothing is so it's not out of reach if you don't buy the if you don't buy the actual sets. Two, you are not in the dark about whether you will or will not get for the amount of money that you spend the cards that you need. Mm-hmm. And three, they're not catering to two different groups which is competitive and non-competitive. You are These right are there. three things that Magic has going against it. Yes, but you're also comparing a, quote, board game card game to a collectible card game. Collectible's a term for gamble. Yes, it is. Well, then, then call it a TCG, a trading card game. Yeah. Tabletop. It's trading, though. It's money. Both of them. I, I would there, argue that there's there a, is there's a, a difference between a TCG in. and a CCG, but it's very slim. It's I very lie. slim, yes. and it's the gears that turn it. And the gears that turn it, I will, I will say this. This is a real weird thing to bring up. This is really weird. This has come from playing a ton of Magic, okay? 
I traded way more back in the day. This is true. I had to find cards that encouraged the, the, the cooperation between people that when you go to tournaments to actually whip out binders and look for it. Do you know how much trading I've done in the last year for cards for people? I, I saw you trade with her before the podcast a couple months ago, and yeah. I think that was probably it. That's probably it. Mostly you know, because you've been locked down this year. True. <laughs> but Loophole. do you know how I usually get cards? Internet. How Secondary do market. How do you and I both get cards? Secondary market. Internet. So it's that trading part of it. It's slowly gone away, and that is a huge thing that was part of the community. Like, I have a friend, and I feel so bad about this. He got back into the game, and he gave me all of his old cards to put the binders and price out for him. It took me about two weeks. And he had this binder worth thousands. And he looked at me all bright-eyed and excited, and I told him, don't get excited. He's like, why? He's like, the only way you're getting your money is either selling it to a secondary buyer, such as an online place, for half or a quarter of the market value, or trading it. And let me tell you, trading it nowadays is hard to do. It is, because people are only trading you because they don't want to wait for shipping. And people are only trading you because they want to try to get it for cheaper from you by not telling you because they think you're a new. Or... They're, That's why I've downloaded an app that or they're good friends or the one the only thing that's keeping trading at all alive is I don't have disposable income to go buy a deck of cards no but I got three decks of cards behind me mm -hmm. and I might could part with one of them to, to get stuff for any of them get the start stuff well, for a new one like we traded mm -hmm. yeah and you know what that gets us up. We didn't even look up prices, to be honest. Yeah. You need this? Here you go. This would be good in your deck. Here you go. Hey, are you using that? No. Cool. I can use that. That makes sense. Which but is... that is so rare. <laughs> Have I told you about uh, the prisoners that play Magic together? Okay, so there's a book that comes out, and it has it's an actual book that comes out with every set. Teases, yeah. teases what's going to be in it, and List mm -hmm. the effect, the mana cost mm -hmm. of every card that's going to be in the set. Just make your own. The offenders buy that book mm -hmm. because it has to be a book they can get through the booksellers. Mm -hmm. They buy that book and then they make their own cards. Yep. I've got an angel deck somewhere in the garage that I confiscated from an offender at lockdown. Boss, can you throw this away for me? Yeah, sure, I'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. It was a big wink from all three of us, because he knew he couldn't have it when they go into lockdown, and I, he knew that I would at least find it amusing. Yeah. But, so it's in my offender collection collectibles. But that's more the spirit of the game. But they play the game more than we do out here, yeah. have more fun with it, yeah. and definitely are a tighter-knit community than our game stores group. Yeah, because I know this is not a visual medium, but everybody at the table who bought a box of Ikoria or something, raise your hand. I know you Two have out of three. but you haven't had the disposable I income. Had, I don't have the income right but now. here's the deal. Yeah, but at the same time, I've already told people, I'm like, if I get duplicates of this thing and I know yeah. that you're a collector of said artwork... Then yeah, I'm not here. even worried about but, it. But here's you the deal. Bought, you bought the uh, mystery boxes. Yes. Right? Yes, we did. And you bought something else that had newer slivers in it. 
Yeah, and that was a pack. And they came to me. Yeah. yeah. That's they the didn't way. come to me because, oh. Hey, Brian, Brian I know you, you got I, the good I'm, stuff. I'm teasing you, and I want your stuff, because I don't have shit in a trade binder. Well, I've put together a trade binder, finally, but only because it was leftovers of singles that I decided not to use after all. Yeah. No, I brought him over because I was like, hey, you're the guy that I know that likes slivers. Whether you're going to run this or not is a sliver. Yeah, but that's a friend group. That's a friend group. We don't have a friend group through the stores anymore. No, I can't go like I used to when I was when I was uh, grinding. Because that's what Planka Better was. I was grinding points. I can't go into one of those shops and I can't sit down there and just walk up to a stranger anymore and be like, hey, I need these Four cards, because usually you need a playset because the meta's changed. Yeah. You realize that you didn't have those cards. I can't anymore walk up and be like, hey, I need these four cards. Here's my trade binder. Do you have them? Strangers will walk away. What you do is you go and buy them from whatever shop is hosting the stupid thing. And they have sellers all over the big tournaments, too, that are in convention centers. Why? Because there's no trading. You don't trust anyone. Besides, who cares? You can buy it yourself. And it's sad. And but, Magic learned that, and, and you then know, they tailored their sales plan to it. And you know what else this is? Mm-hmm. The sad truth is, it's also the game's age. You know yeah. why we traded cards? Because we were kids. Because we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we were buying None packs. of us had money. And we went, hey, well, Brian... I know that you like to play green. You like elves. I'm looking for fireball. Do you have a fireball? I'll trade you this heedless one. It's the same for D&D. And I, I hate to jump to another thing. But when we were kids playing D&D, we got a book and played the shit out of that game. And we made up whatever we wanted. But now it's this lumbering Hulk. And it has a million and one books and a million and one add-ons and a million and Actually, one new I'm ideas. Gonna, I'm going to go ahead and swing one big solid thumbs up to 5th edition D&D Wizard yeah. of the Coast. Yeah. They have yeah. not put out a ton of splat books for That's nothing. True. That's true. They've put out adventures. No, they got their act together on that. They they yeah. put out adventures, they put out a, a little bit of splat with Xanathars. They haven't been bloating the market. Yeah, but look at three point five and four. Three point five exploded a bubble and fourth was a sad fallout. Three point five exploded a bubble, fourth was the was the that killed it. The sad cousin. And then yeah. Pathfinder. Pathfinder was pretty crazy, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and Pathfinder is what made Wizards of the Coast realize they were doing it wrong. And then now Pathfinder 2 and 5th edition are both doing really solid and well together. Yeah. But um, we're sitting at about an hour and ten, so we're going to go ahead and uh, take a f- one focused question around the table. One card. That you can introduce to magic for the health of the game. What do you think would bring something happy? And I'll start it because you guys know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two colorless, instant speed, counter spell, common price. Yeah. Just one shot, limit one per deck, put it on the damn card. Even in modern, mm-hmm. even in standard, just so that everything has one chance for that no. Yeah. Because I think I that can, gives a depth of strategy. I can see it. I, you know, we, we had our disagreement over it and everything, but I mean, I can see the validity of wanting that because um, I'll give an example for that same ability, how much it costs. 
there was... I'm bad with names. Once again, I got onto them because I was listening to the podcast while I was out and I was correcting shit because I am pedantic. You might remember the inside joke where I said, if you if Matt yells loud enough, we can hear him from the future. Yeah. 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 We I did. was yelling. Yep. I was yelling. <laughs> but, uh, oh, it's not syncopate. It's a certain counterspell that in standard, it was a, it was a standard set that was very limited on counterspells in blue. And that counterspell, I, I usually run control decks because I'm an asshole. But I mean, I usually know how to pilot them all enough that I can win. But the thing was, for me to get four of that card, which was just a rare, it wasn't a mythic or anything, they were 30 bucks a pop at one and two blue counter target spell, and I think scry. And the scry, who gives a shit? But because it was so limited, because it was hard to get in anything. Like, there wasn't a substantial other counter spell in blue at the time. Because of tournaments, it ran the price up. Mm -hmm. And, like, even if nobody uses that two colorless mana uh, spell, I promise you it'll drive down the cost of other counter spells that people do want to use. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the more things that have a certain effect, the more evenly cost those will be because it won't be so rare that you're depending on one source. So, I, I can see the validity even if nobody ends up running it all that much. Like I said earlier during our pre-game conversation, it's not necessarily a everyone must include this in their deck kind of powerful card. No. It's, it's an option for everyone to have access to it, though. And it's not a, all of a sudden, stepping on Blue's toes too much. No. But it is a spread the love mm -hmm. concept. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it. Mine, mine's tailored more towards one mechanic that I love and bolstering it. Okay. Um, it wouldn't make the game more balanced. horsemanship. Yes, horsemanship. <laughs> the undiscovered truth about ancient magic. You, you know, we were joking about the, the making your husband the ultimate hipster deck. He need to make a horsemanship deck. We found out finally <laughs> why those cards are so expensive. Oh, there's virtually none of them. Reserve Not only that, list. half of the ones that are there are on the, the reserve, reserve list. list. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, magic is littered with mechanics that were tried in one certain block and then left in the dust. Yep. Because it went. We like, understand, but I just. Yeah, no, they're on the reserve list. Tying it back to that comment oh, yeah. about the reserve list. And why horsemanship is on the fucking reserve list. Oh, it's too powerful. No, it really isn't. It's funny because I saw a comment the other day that was, you know, you're gigantic, dragon. No one shall pass me. I am this giant flame breath 6'6 six, six flyer of doing this guy with a sword on a horse. I have a horse. <laughs> yeah, now I'm thinking about Borderlands. My one true enemy stares. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no. no, one of the things that that I would love to see is I would love to see. And the thing about it is, is I'd love some of these really powerful effects on less uh, on on more common kind of cards. Not all of it put together, but more parts to part, like. Avacyn Angel of Hope is the only thing we're going to find, plus one other artifact that's really hard to find that makes all your stuff indestructible. If you think that's worth it, make an uncommon enchantment that has, like, 
something about it, like for so many turns. Like you know how they had those or upkeep. Yeah. Or like something you pay. Give it a yeah. downside, but make that mechanic if more the, available. If you want the mechanic if you think the mechanic is healthy, yeah. Make it available. Right. But like one of them like Protein Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. Protein Hulk says whenever he goes to the graveyard, you can bring back uh a number of creatures whose CMC is equal to Protein Hulks out of your deck. Into well, either out of your deck or out of the graveyard. I think it out of your graveyard into play. Okay, well, what if we had an enchantment that had, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. You can bring out creatures into your hand for that CMC cost. People would play that. Isn't that Survival of the Fittest? Survival of the Fittest is getting, sacrifice a creature, getting something, not into your hand, but out into the field. Oh, okay. But like Something like that, or like, uh, uh, you know... That Sylvan Library, where you can look at the top three. Well, there's another one that costs one that you don't get to put in your hand, but you look at the top three. I think that's a good design. Um, like introducing some of these things that we thought were broken. Why don't you fix them a little bit and make them available? Because I would love some, like Marari's Wake. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, for one more mana and giving it to everyone, that's a card now. Mm-hmm. That's a great card. If you're building a commander deck, and mind you, I'm coming a lot from the commander deck, you don't have the expendable funds to make a 4K commander deck. Well, here's this card at 50 cents that will do what you want it to do. The downside is, is your opponents have a little bit of an advantage, but it's or, not going to break the game, and there you go, slot it in. Or it costs, like, one more CMC. Yeah. Like, instead of focusing on making so many new things and, like, every now and then having a really broken one of them, then just drifts through the world. Like, in the... Okay, Ikoria. One of the most expensive ones is this stupid creature that I want a copy of. I'm not going to buy a copy of because he's almost $80 straight out the gate. He's one and two hybrid of either green or black. And you sack a creature and then you look in your deck for a creature of a converted mana cost, one or higher, and put it into either play or into your hand, right? Okay. That is Birthing Pod. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you made it just as hard to get because it's just the same rarity. If you like that idea, make it an uncommon. Make it an affordable, because out of the gate at 60, and the only people going to be having fun with that have deep have deep pockets because I'm not buying a card for sixty bucks. That's uh, that's that's almost back to a, a, another idea. Is when you come up with a new keyword, new keyword's going to hit uh, in a set, whatever. Yeah, we're mutate gonna, for our mutate. new ones. Eh, we're not we're we're not talking about something that's out there right now. But uh, delirium. But the new. We're 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 going to pretend we're making a new uh, a new set pigeon, and, and the keyword pigeon. And the keyword pigeon gives you uh, the ability to peck at bread, which which will translate if you peck to five more bread. You win. No, which will translate to pay a kicker. Yeah, uh, a, a two part, a, a two a kicker value that values difference per card. No. There you go. So the best the, kicker the pigeon destroys food tokens. So the kiss. Yes. So the pigeon king card has pigeon kicker seven, and yeah. he's an ultra rare. And he got the Pigeon Queen at Uncommon. And instead of having Pigeon Rare 7, he, Pigeon Queen only has Pigeon Rare 5. Yeah. And then you have Pigeon Rare Commons. And 
because we're trying to cater to everybody, you have Flaming Pigeon and Viney Pigeon and Zombie Pigeon. Wizard Pigeon. And Fishy Pigeon. Yeah. The catfish is a pigeon of the... Yeah, but don't make only Pigeon King useful. And Pigeon of the Sea. Yeah. And have them all have the keyword and be useful. And all be relatively cost-effective. Like, for instance, if I can't get my hands on four Pigeon Kings, I can survive off four Pigeon Queens that do somewhat the same thing at a decent price, not as efficiently, but I'm not looking at the Pigeon King being the only thing that does Pigeon. Or if I can, if my deck can function off of two Pigeon Queens and doubling up on my Flaming Pigeon and Viney Pigeon... Yeah. And have to suffer a little bit of my creature removal uh, casting spells because I don't have the room in it because my tribe takes up that much extra effort. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's the thing. Is like, But you'll notice whenever we get to Ikoria and stuff, yeah, there's lots of things that mutate. But here's the problem. There's a lot of trash mutate because you're mutating the one or two good mutate cards. And that one or two good mutate cards it can cost you a butt. A buttload of money. Or, like, one of the things I don't like, they had it for Mothra. This is the only reason it came to my attention, but they had this stupid glow moth. And they have this concept that things will come out of the graveyard back into play with a token on that it gives them a card ability. is going to be broken forever. Yeah, and that card is already 40 bucks. And it says whenever something dies, it comes back onto the battlefield with a token on it that gives it flying. Yep. And then the cool. old art of it being Mothra pumps up the price as well, yeah, and then you but, have foil and etc. You know what else gives flying tokens in this set? Hmm. Nothing. If you want to have a deck that has a possibility of doing that... There is a creature that says... Maybe when it dies, it comes back with a flying token? No. Uh, Whatever you have in the graveyard, when it does a thing, it puts tokens of whatever that that is on there. So if you're flying in the graveyard, you can put tokens... Yeah. But I mean, the main reason that moth is going to make it is because of recursion. Yeah, is because... I can already tell you an infinite combo with yeah, that stupid Because moth. white is going to put nothing but non-flying things in. When they die, they'll go in and they'll yeah. come back as flyers and you go, son of a bitch! And you're going to put you're gonna put a card in there, you're going to put the moth in there, you're going to call this deck Bug Zapper, so you're going to have something to sacrifice your own stupid creatures with, so you can zap them and turn them into bugs. Mm-hmm. But... That's the only way you can do that. There's not a less powerful version like once per turn or one character, one creature per turn. There's not a powered down version. You either got this stupid thing or, or either not. all in or nothing at all. Yeah, this stupid yeah. thing or not. And that's going to be, and it is, at Mythic, I believe. It is at Mythic, yes. And so now it's going to be super hard to get with a super powerful thing that you can't replace with anything else on a deck to make it run. And every other white deck is going to go, I want it! Yeah, so if you walk into a tournament, which, by the way, magic tournaments are dying because of this, if you walk into a tournament and you don't have that stupid moth and you want to run white, get out! It is worth mentioning. You could also argue, at one point in time, it was a smart idea to do the, this is the card that's that you want, and it's so rare, and there's not a good substitute, and then the very next booster, here comes a slightly weaker version of that card. Yeah. yeah. That was, at one time, a good business strategy, but in my opinion, it is no longer valid thanks to secondary market. 
Well, yeah, and you know the other thing that makes magic makes it not worth it. People always are talking about like EDH cards getting slipped in. You know, there was a different card format that they were making cards for that are slipping into standard way before that. Hmm. Draft. Half the cards that you're willing with is draft. When are you going to have a one and one blue, one one flyer ever be good in standard? Uh, when it's the only one available. Yeah. Yeah, but once you can pick and build your deck, then you're never going to put it in there. But if you're yeah. drafting, a 1-1 one, one flyer is actually pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. So Because they you're is... looking at it going, I don't know what else is coming down the line to me to do something, but this thing has flying, yeah. which makes it hard to hit. It's easy to get onto the field. Yeah. And, and people yeah. that love draft love that because now the packs are draftable. But yes. here's the problem is that those really good standard effects aren't on a lot of cards. And two, if you're building for standard, those packs, there's a good portion of them that are chaff. Useless. Yeah, They're I've, chaff. I've I'm never going to use plenty. the one blue flying 1-1. One, one. Yeah, plenty of times. I don't care if it's a thieving packs, Keep the uncommons to rare and possible mythic and then just not even look at the commons just leave yeah. them on the table. They're drafting cards and they've divided their group originally from drafting and standard to then focus specifically on making draftable cards and standard good cards and not the two mixing that much. Instead of making one that cards would be good in both formats because they're afraid of two powerful drafting cards or two weak standard cards, they segmented it off and now the only way I can get this stupid ability of this godforsaken moth is to get this, you know, epic drop card for $30. And, well, we don't want that in the drafting pool too much because it's too darn powerful. So we're not going to make that ability that much. You notice the abilities that are in drafting are things that are like, oh, it has, you know, menace. Oh, it has flying. It has the, the base keywords, but it doesn't have anything interesting abilities. This one you'll have... Oh, I can draft and get a couple of things and mutates. This will maybe draw me a card or get me something out of the graveyard to my hand once every now and then. But this really cool thing that you mutate him and he gets stuff out of the graveyard right onto the field? Yeah, you're going to have to chuck up $24 right from the get-go for that. And he's a mythic. And we made an alternate art of him of Biolanta. So, do you have something that you would add or take away or one big change besides the reserve list? Uh... Actually, if going off of your idea of we should just have this colorless chump, I say no card. I don't know if one exists or not, but a card that comes onto the field is some sort of basic land or like one drop enchantment that every turn just goes tap this and it copies one land on the field. So, like, everybody has an insta ramp? Basically. And I'm not gonna lie. You know, and the, the thing the is, is it will it will copy a basic land. It will oh. copy oh, and non basic land. So you can be like, I need a blue for some reason because you know, there's I so is it, I want to copy lesbian stage. There is that. That's a land that copies so any land. Is it is it the land copying or making a, making a duplicate of? It's 
yes. <laughs> because I like because this concept, it, but it, I think it's too big a change from within face. the conversation. Well, okay. I thought of it, and I was like, that would be kind of neat to have just like this common cart that is about as common as, say, like Evolving Wilds. Yeah. You know, that you just drop on the field, anybody can use, and it just. It's a little bit of mana ramp because it's an enchantment or an artifact or something, and it just copies someone land or non basic land. The closest, it, closest I can think of is there's a land called Thespian Stage, and this is not common, but it comes onto the battlefield, you pay so much mana and tap it, and it becomes a copy of any land that you have on the field. So uh, you have Temple to Nyx. Yeah. Temple to Nyx costs two, tap it, and you get mana. Equal to the amount of mana that you have represented in mana symbols of a certain color on the mm -hmm. field. So, like, elves will run Temple of Nyx. Because you tap it, and I'm going to count up all my little green symbols on all my stupid little permanents out there. Oh, look, I just tapped and got 15. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you put up Thespian Stage, tap 2, Thespian Stage becomes a copy of it, and now I tap both of them and get a stupid amount. Or, you know, I have this land, I need this color, Thespian Stage, tap it, does that. It's so, not as close as I can think of. Just, but just for it clarification. Makes a really available ramp, easy ramp for any color that goes, man, I really could use some of that. So, because, like, think about the ramp that white has. Just uh, asking, uh, just asking for clarification because I like this concept. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call this, um, for, uh, like fresh, uh, fresh tilled field or something. Yeah. And Fertile tilled. Yeah. And you, you tap it, and it makes a duplicate of one of your other lands, or it, any on the field, or it becomes a copy itself. It itself becomes a copy of. It itself becomes a copy of. Okay. You know yeah. what I want coming on that one? That actually really so, good. So I would call it like mirror field. So, so my so my personal field. suggestion. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh. Mirrored, well, mirrored landscape. Sorry. So, yeah. so, so my suggestion here is we make your card. And we make it an uncommon drop. Yeah. yeah. And then you make a rare drop that makes a token copy of the land. Of a yeah. land. You know what would be awesome? Here's what I want. If I want it, because here's another big thing that's very restrictive. Very restrictive. Cutting off Matt's hands at the end of this podcast. I don't need them. I have a third extra. <laughs> it's hard to reach things because it's growing out of my back. But. I think it's the third hand that we have to go because it's the one that's bumping the table. Yeah. It doesn't know what to do. It's, it's I can't call it it's lefty boring. or righty. It's it's sadness. But here's the other thing. You know what's really restrictive it's for baby. magic players? Bringing it back to, to your uh, love of Ghidorah, it's Ichni and San, and that one's San. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But you know what's really restrictive for people playing modern or anything older than that? Yeah. The mana base. Yeah. You know what they need to have? Uncommon lands that are dual lands that come into play untapped. It would break the secondary market, yes. Yes, or, it would. Or, remember the, you know, you play a land and you return a land to your hand and this produces yeah. two? Why don't yeah. we have more lands that produce two with other drawbacks that are not as big? Like, comes to play tap, it produces two. Like, that is mana ramp for every color. I, I like yeah. that idea. Or, like, you know, a fetch land that doesn't well, cost, like, make it uncommon. We. Like, remember, they kind of do that with, like, the lockets and the keys and whatnot. But those cost mana. They do. But here's the deal. Like, just think of it this way. Just the fact that Fabled Passage came into play untapped, mm -hmm. everybody lost their mind, and that card was 20 30 bucks starting out. 
All that is is an untapped evolving wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it came into play untapped. Oh my god. Well, maybe we need to break the mana thing, and we need to actually put more available, easier to make mana, because that's the biggest restriction on competitive deck. And that's what you I'm know, saying, because, let's face it, if we had a, something like that that came on the field and said, I copy anything, and you could copy some of the broken lands, yeah. then, you guess talk. what? Your secret lair won't cost $400. You want to mm. talk absolute heresy? This has been my always thought. Your magic deck mm-hmm. is built around X cards. Yeah, and then Yay. and then your land deck is twenty cards. Yeah, and you and every turn you draw the top card of your land deck and put it into play. That is actually describing two different card games. Uh, here, okay, let me say this. You want to know my biggest change? My honestly, got biggest change, and my husband's already texting me as mad. But I gotta get this out. The problem with magic that. Every other card game you can play that is modern has fixed. Hearthstone fixed it. Um, several other things fixed it. Is that you have to get lucky to get the right amount of land. And you spend so much resources getting the right amount of land versus the right amount of things. In Hearthstone, you start the turn with one mana crystal on turn one, two mana crystals on turn two. You don't worry about getting land cards. You don't worry about that randomness. You only have efficiency cards that work off of what you can spend. And there is two different card games coming out of Japan. Uh, one of them is the same one that has, like, the, the guy in the middle, and, you, and he rises, and you have the different placement and everything. But here's the deal. You have your crystals, and you have your deck. And you can choose whether you pull a crystal and play it as a land, or whether you draw a card because you need that. That way, you're never going to be mana-screwed, mana-flooded, or hoping you have the right mana colors. Even if you have to shuffle the deck and it's different colors of land, as long as it's separate from your deck. I like my fix better, but that's because it's mine. Yeah, but I mean, as long as it's separate from your deck and you can pull it and play it. I love the, I love that concept for something that, that works. And Magic can't do it now because Magic's been so entrenched for so long. None of their cards would be fair after a while if you knew you had the mana coming up. You could build a deck and on curve. Would, and it would make half of Green's entire shtick pointless. No, you no, just have can... a card that says pull so many cards from your mana deck and put them down. Like, uh, like, Man. uh, cultivate. Yeah. Play one, play one tap. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you do that, people can focus on their decks and it takes out one of the things that people hate when they lose. People hate losing simply because they didn't draw land. Because they, they all mana screwed or they got all flooded. And nothing feels yep. quite as bad as sitting at, once again, as I was saying beforehand, it's one thing to be told no when you're trying to play cards or when someone blows up your stuff, but if you don't get a chance to actually play Magic, that's the worst feeling. If you're sitting across from a person just going off and playing cards like a regular-ass deck, and you're sitting there with all five CMC cards and not a land in sight... Yep. And, and you're just sitting there... That's not fun. You're discarding and waiting for them to kill you. And yep. my personal my, my personal side caveat is that also would make uh, the gentleman's agreement on EDH... Blowing up your land a little less in your face yeah. because everyone's getting that land a turn. Yeah. The only card that I see it hurting big is land tax. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, you're going to lose things like my favorite deck is Mazes End. I mean, Mazes mm-hmm. is way more easier in that setup. You'd have to change some things. But there's so much you'd have to change I don't think they could do it. 
The other big change that Yu-Gi-Oh got right, that Hearthstone got right, that Magic didn't get right, Magic is one of the last games out there in card play that you can't attack another monster. Yeah. They get to choose to defend. It yeah. makes combos broken because you can't just be like, my dude attacks that stupid wizard that keeps untapping your shit. Yeah. Yeah. That. But instead you attack and they decide whether they defend. That's fundamentally broken because if they decide not to defend and they have a dude that gives life gain, yeah. they don't have a point to defend him. But if you have the ability to smack him in the face... Uh, Commander kind of sort of has the command damage rule. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. So, uh, you want to help me design a new card game? Yeah, Candace, get to work. I need you to draw 10,000 cards in a week. I, I actually have... How much are you different... paying me to do this? We're in quarantine. We're in You'll quarantine, start. and right now it's exposure. Expose uh, yourself. <laughs> then you're getting all stick figures. That'll do. Let's work on the mechanics for Stick Figure Island. <laughs> the really sad thing is, if, it, if we do a really good job at game design, we're rich. Actually, I have a game that was actually well designed that I would run. <laughs> I just don't have the art to do it. Eh, we'll talk about this off air. Come on, copyrights, guys, copyrights. Oh, true. Well, we gotta go. Yeah, we gotta call, wrap this up, especially since my daughter has just wandered in here while I'm in the middle of recording. Why does she have a knife? I do not. It's illusion. <laughs> illusion. Perception's right. reality. All right, folks. Next week, come back to join us when we tackle the big monster in the room, D and D. Oh, not my specialty. I expect. Yeah. To, I expect we'll also talk a little bit of Pathfinder, just because it's going to it's... happen. Because it's Matt don't know D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be worse because we're talking specifically about D&D &D 5th and Pathfinder 2nd. Okay, y'all are just going to lead that conversation. I'll be, a, I'll be a passenger on that train. But uh, we're, we're going to thank Kevin McLeod at Competech.com for providing our music. In, uh, intro is uh, Faster Does It, outro is Dark Sea Land. And we're going to sign off and say bye. Bye. bye.